Hey, how's it going? This is Craig Cannon, and you're listening to Y Combinator's podcast. Today's episode is with Jarvis Johnson. Jarvis was previously a software engineer at Patreon, Yelp, and Google. He's now a YouTuber. You can find him on YouTube at Jarvis Johnson and on Twitter at Jarvis. All right, here we go. All right, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So uh, today, Jarvis Johnson, who is a software engineer and YouTube creator, yeah, uh, recently independent. YouTube yeah, creator. it's almost like the reverse now. Now I'm a, a YouTube creator and a software engineer. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been wondering that. So like, I was first drawn uh, to you because you were posting these software videos, right? So Matt Hackett, who is Casey Neistat's co-founder, oh yeah, 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 he yeah. posted one of your videos. Oh, I didn't. Know, I know he followed me on Twitter. I didn't know he posted one of my videos, but yeah, yeah, that was. Um, I think when I started out, I was trying a bunch of things and, <laughs> and uh, the first video that I had that got any traction was actually on Facebook, oh. um, where I posted a video that was making fun of the technical interview, uh, at, in, in the software industry. And I posted it in a Facebook group, um, called hackathon hackers or something like that. And, uh, they, they kicked me out for self promotion, <laughs> but before they did it, it had like started going viral. It got like 300,000 views or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was like, all right guys. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's so many things I want to cover, but this is like an interesting angle because you're, you're both the beneficiary of the software industry, right? Sure, yeah, but yeah, then yeah, like yeah. criticizing it too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering how you tow that line. Mm, well, it, I think that the way I think about it is that the software industry is extremely popular and has gotten off kind of scot-free and extremely glorified for a really long time. And being in it and being someone who like had, had this dream of entering the industry and like, and you know, being a productive contributing member of it and then coming and doing that, I, I both was really gratified with the work that I've been able to do, but also realized that there's a lot of stuff that people aren't talking about for whatever reason. Um, and, and just like liking to make fun of things or like, or liking to try and be funny and, and, and criticize things that seem like a good sort of opportunity yeah, it's to kind do of like that. a softball. Yeah. Yeah. Ways. Because I was like, wow, yeah. it's like we, everyone complains about this stuff. And, and, and a lot of comedy is just like connecting, uh, how, what, with what people are already feeling and thinking. So yeah, that's when, uh, when we did comedy hack day, we, we put out this video called well-deserved, which was a place to sell your privilege. I don't know if you ever saw that video. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> it, it was really good. But basically, like, this was of the time when a uh, sandwich video just happened and every company was putting out the same kind of like soft music video with the big sweeping shots of San yeah. Francisco. Yeah. yeah, yeah and it was yeah. like, put it out, immediately works. Yeah. 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 And I mean, th I think that that's what things like Silicon Valley, the show, do really well. And like, if you, I think I benefited from the fact that I was coming from the inside. And so I had a lot of information that I could then condense down, hopefully to something that was like palatable to people who were both in and outside of uh, the industry. Yeah. But I mean, in, in spite of the criticism, I think you're actually doing a lot of good for the world, like getting people into programming. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, it, thank you. I don't, I think that I don't think about that as much when I'm making this stuff, but I do still to this day get a lot of messages from people who tell me that and I'm super grateful. And I feel a little guilty because nowadays I'm not talking as much about tech stuff, but I think it's because I needed a bit of a break um, from it because I was like spending all my time you know, working my tech job. And then if I was going home and like working on tech videos, yeah. it like felt like my whole life was consumed by, uh, by this industry when really there's like more dimensions to my, you know me as a person and also like what i wanted to do creatively yeah of course yeah, which yeah, I, yeah. I want to talk about but yeah, i also yeah, like yeah, want to sure. cover the software oh stuff absolutely too. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so 
I, I watched one of your videos where you're talking about programming the TI-84. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But how did you get into it? And then, like, how did you even end up moving to California? Okay, yeah. So, um, I, you know, the... There, there's like a longer story. I've, I've definitely tried to draw out this like narrative into a, a bunch of videos, but the basic, the basic story is that I, a friend of mine, uh, who's still like a, a really like great friend of mine who lives in New York sh- turned me on to, he's a Android developer or mobile developer at large now. He's just doing everything, but he turned me on to the TI-84 like TI basic calc, um, yeah. language. And so I, I started playing around with that in my chemistry class and, um, we would just like make silly games. I was just, I just remember like making a thing where I could just like move theta around. Um, <laughs> and, and that was like the coolest thing in the world to me, just being able to make something that didn't exist, even though it was like the most basic thing in the world. And then that was, after we had already tried to learn C++. So I went, <laughs> I tried to learn C++ when I was a sophomore in high school because I listened to a podcast uh, called Geek Nights, which is like these two New York tech professionals who are talking about, um, I think there was just two 22-year-old guys who made this podcast after they graduated. And I found it when I was like 14. And I was like, oh, interesting. Um, and I tried to learn to program and I failed. Uh, <laughs> C++ is not a great first language to learn, especially if it's just from a book. Um, and and so then I came back to it with, uh, with the TI basic. And that was a little bit easier to go down. And then um, I didn't really care for, I, I wasn't passionate about any of the top, any of the subjects that I was taking in high school. So when it came time to pick a college major, um, computer science was like a thing that felt like more palatable to me. Yeah. Uh, and then I went, I went to Georgia Tech, um, for, for my undergrad in, in computer science. And I just found like a, such a supportive community there that it was able to like help, um, support my natural interest, but also like help me through the hard times. Hmm. <sighs> because it's not like I, Computer science is like not an easy degree um, by any means. Um, and, and so, was there a kind of an inkling like early on that you're like, "Oh, okay, like I could, I could do this." Um, doing like CS, CS. Like following that whole path, the career path, all of it. Well, oh yeah, that's a good yeah. So the other part of the question was like moving out to California and stuff. Um, I, I think the first moment of like. Career, even thinking about, I, I hadn't at any point thought about career, like anything yeah. beyond college. I was just like, oh, go to college and then you get a job, I guess. <laughs> um, but at Georgia Tech, there were a lot of career fairs and there were a lot of companies visiting, excuse me, there were a lot of companies visiting for recruiting purposes. And I was like, oh, Facebook is here. Microsoft is here. These are just like things that I know of from like my computer screen, but they're like, there are actual people that work there. And there was kind of a culture of glorifying that a little bit where it's like everybody's wearing company swag and then it becomes a thing that everybody wants. And it kind of felt a bit like a game to me um, where that was like what people cared about you're supposed to do. So it's kind of like how when your parents are like get good grades and you're like not sure why you should get good grades. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I felt. I was like, I guess I should like go do this thing. <laughs> um, but I was lucky enough to like get some internships and I interned at Google when I was a sophomore um, and that was like my first big, uh, moment of, whoa, like this industry is like, oh, got a whole thing, um, happening. And from then on, I was like, okay, I'll probably like come out here after, okay. after I graduate. Okay. And so then my understanding is then you interned at Yelp. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you decided to work there. Yeah. Um, I decided not to go back to Google, not for any reason other than 
wanting to try something else. I don't know. I don't know. uh, I had a lot of peers who were, you know, doing an internship their sophomore year, their freshman year, and then doing it, coming back over and over and over and over, and then going to work at that company full time. And that never quite made sense to me because uh, the company can never value the intern that, that much. And you miss out on getting a lot of experience with a bunch of like very different companies because companies at different stages or even at exactly the same stage can operate completely differently. And you're never really going to know what you like unless you try a couple of different things. So I went to Yelp just to like try something new and it was in San Francisco and I didn't like living in the South Bay when I was interning at Google uh, and didn't want to do a big commute. So Yelp was a good fit there. And I just had such good mentorship that I wanted to come back full time. Yeah. I think a lot of these jobs can create a scarcity mindset in people. And they think, oh man, I don't know if I could ever get the Google job again. Yeah, The reality is most likely you can. Over a long enough time period, especially because uh, there's definitely you know, false negative rates and false positive rates in the interviewing process. But there's also so many opportunities um, that it's bound to, even if you don't do well in the interview this year, you can try every six months, you can try every year. And there's so many of those opportunities that something's going to land. It really only takes one. Yeah. I thought that was actually a really nice piece of advice that you gave because you actually, you interviewed at Yelp twice. Yeah. And most people think like, oh man, once I, you know, fail the Facebook interview, I'm gone. Yeah. It's <clears throat> because true. it's such a, you grow so much and in yeah. so much changes. I also didn't, I also interviewed at Google or interviewed for the Google internship and failed it and then, um, got a call back for like a different program and they like used my failed interview, uh, and, and I didn't have to interview again. So it was like a weird situation of like the, you know, that's actually maybe a theme in my life is like, this seemed like a failure at the time, but I, it was actually not. I just like framed it that way in my head. Um, and so like I I want us to be mindful of how we frame our failures and like the narratives uh, of our lives <laughs> because they may not um, they may not actually be that. Yeah. Uh, like objectively speaking. Right. I mean, like you said, over a long enough time frame, too. Like mm-hmm. when you keep doing mm-hmm. things, you keep getting up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, just keep keep getting up. That's I know. Well, that, I mean, that's really the story of it all. Uh, especially with creators. Yeah. So at, at what point, at what point do you decide, okay, Yelp, this has been cool. Like I want to move to a smaller startup. So it was more, I definitely could have stayed at Yelp for a long time because I, I had like a lot of good people around me that were supporting me and stuff like that. Um, my rate of growth, at least as I was perceiving it personally was slowing down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was more that this opportunity came up that was kind of, you know, not something that was in my, my purview, which was working at Patreon. Um, I was like at a, I was in India at like a wedding and a friend of mine had just started working there and was like, Hey, you should, you should interview. And I was like, Oh wow. Like, should I, I don't know. <laughs> like, um, it, cause it had always been, I had been a fan of like my YouTube and tech career, like very intertwined because I knew about Patreon because I've been following Hank and John Green, uh, who are, you know, YouTubers who've been around since like the beginning. And I've been following them since, yeah, or very early on in their YouTube careers. They had started something called Subbable that Patreon then acquired. And that's how I was aware of Patreon. So I was like, Oh, I could be working in like, I could be working on stuff that they like care about and that they use. And that value proposition was like enough for me to at least interview. Yeah. Um, and so it was really my proximity to, YouTube that inspired me to like 
make, um, make the change. And then that, and I felt more confident in my technical skills. Um, because when I initially started out, I think I wanted to work at Google cause I was afraid that I like couldn't hack it at a, like a smaller, like startup. Um, meaning that you wouldn't have the mentors. Yeah. Or like that I didn't know enough. Like I knew, like huh. I did a lot of hackathons and stuff in college and I had all these friends who were just like self-starters who like, yeah. who like knew, uh, who could really just build something all their own, um, the full stack or whatever. And I, didn't feel super confident in my skill set. Like I, I wanted to work at a bigger company because I felt that I would learn patterns. I would develop a skill, like something that I could then work, work downward from and like know the, know how things scale up for larger companies and then up, apply them, um, apply them to smaller companies. But I, I had enough confidence in myself at that point. Um, yeah. to, it's not necessarily make- a bad idea either. I mean, I heard you mention you had student, student debt when you graduated. Mm. Uh, and I was in the that's same the boat. Other thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I didn't work at the big company. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a different kind of pain. Yeah. No, I actually, that's another good example. I think there, there's a safety there. I think there's a lot of advice that's going to say like, Oh, you might learn so much more at the startup. And it's like, maybe that's true. Uh, but I think you should be asking like, am I going to learn the right stuff? Am I going to learn good habits and good patterns? Or am I going to be like trying to build something with like the fire, like the, the worry that the company's going to collapse <laughs> on my yeah. shoulders. And, um, I'm going to be doing that for like far less, uh, money. And if you've got, you know, your, your own personal finances to take care of, or you've got dependents or you're helping out your family and stuff, you, I think that the smart decision in a lot of I know, I know that the smart decision for me was to work at a bigger company out of, um, out of college and take yeah. care of all that. Cause the op, I mean, yeah, it, it was just like I, if I had student loans now, I wouldn't have been able to do totally. half the stuff that I was like able to do. I mean, it's also a complete mindset shift. Yeah. Like, as yeah. soon as you're, you're in the black, you're like way more optimistic about things you could try out. And you're able to invest you know, all that money that you're investing in student loans, you can now invest in your own like financial safety net. Cause like that was not something that I had. And so I needed to build that for myself before I could think about kind of like put on your oxygen mask before like helping yeah. children or whatever. Yeah, dude, I, I want to talk about this as like in related to creative confidence and risk aversion. But yeah, before, yeah. before we get there, for sure, for sure. Uh, I want to talk about you switching from uh, an individual contributor as yes. an engineer yeah. <clears throat> to a manager. Right. Why did you want to do that? So, um, I always enjoyed the, and I always, I enjoy the act of like engineering. I like making things. I like creative problem solving. Um, but I had in the back of my head that like there were, there were other ways for me to contribute mm-hmm. to use more of my like full skill set. Cause I also had this background in college. Like I was a teaching assistant. I like breaking down the problems and I like the people aspects of, of the technical, Mm -hmm. um, the technical roles. And it wasn't that I felt better suited to that than anyone else, but it was more that I noticed that a lot of my, I I noticed that it was rare that I cared about that stuff, that that stuff excited me as much as the, the technical problems. And in my, in my career, uh, I, and in my life, I think about the rare combinations of, of skills that I have rather than the like absolute like value of those right. uh, yeah. ab- abilities. And I'm like, well, if I can take this like technical ability and I can also like sp- spend a lot of time talking to people and thinking about like l- larger picture stuff and also career development and stuff like that. That's something that I'm curious about. 
all that combined with the fact that I had a really good um, manager at Yelp who was like a, an inspiration for what, and an example of what like a good management could do for a team. And that was like super cool to see. And I was like, wow, like it would be neat to like walk in that person's like footsteps or, or to try to model myself after, after that. Right. Well, I think it's one of these things where you're studying it in school or on the side CS. Um, and you think, man, this is fun, but I don't want to completely live in the console. Right. Um, and yeah. I, I very much felt like that doing like hackathons and stuff on the side, you know, like I was an English major, like, yeah, I have, yeah. you know, interacted with people. Right. 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 Um, but it's a little scary to think about. Yeah, no, that's definitely a thing. Like I, in college, I, I lived that lifestyle, that sort of archetypal, you know, uh, what, what, what's the kind word to use? But I, I, I like how, you know, I had my hood up. I was like in my terminal. I like used, yeah. you know, uh, the cool Linux distributions or whatever. Sweet keyboard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't quite switch to Dvorak as my, uh, as my keyboard, but, yeah. um, I, I judged people who were using Macs, uh, for example, which is like the, the, the loopiest one. Uh, but yeah, like I, I lived that life a little bit and I just found, I felt that I could combine more, I well, all of that's to say that I knew that I eventually wanted to try it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the opportunity presented itself, um, and it was at you know at Patreon where I had already been there for almost two years, and I had like a lot of trust and a lot of support um, from the people around me and in a pure circle of other like people in management. So I wasn't like flying uh, completely solo. So it felt like the right environment to, to try it. Um, And then I, you know, I did it for almost a year, but uh, the, in, in leaving the tech industry was not a function of like not enjoying that role or not thinking like, I think that if I were to rejoin the tech industry now, I don't know. I don't know what I would, whether or not I would go for like a leadership role or like an IC role. Yeah. But I know that I definitely had more fuel in me for keeping going with management. Interesting. Do you think the, um, the management experience has made you a better individual contributor? Cause like now that's, that's my understanding is it's just you, right? You're a yeah. one man shop. Um, has it improved? I don't know your, your goal setting, your efficiency, any of that kind of stuff. I think a lot about process. Um, and I think that thinking about process and like operating efficiency is like a super valuable skill set to learn. That was another attractive thing about management is like it would be cool to learn the types of things that would make me a good manager, whether or not I use them as a manager in my career or I use them wherever I, I go next um, or w- with whatever I do next. So, yes, I do think about that. I think I value my time a lot more than I would have. I think I'm just more aware of time. Yeah. I'm more likely to spend money to solve a problem as like a business expense than I am to do it myself. Even if like gr- the the part of me that like grew up poor and doesn't like spending money is thinking, uh, oh no, this is going to be a waste of money. I, I'm I'm better <clears throat> at sort of arranging the pieces to go. No, no, no. This is like the right way to. Yeah. Well, that's also <clears throat> that's also a dangerous trap where you like you think I can do it better than anyone else. Therefore, I have to do this incredibly time intensive process. That's that's uh, that's another thing that's like super valuable about management is like giving away and trust like not 
being the person to actually write the code in, in a lot of situations is a super valuable exercise because you have to delegate and you have to, tr- you have to trust, um, and you have to know that you're, yeah, the whole thing doesn't rest on you. I think that that's like a useful skill for anybody to have. Yeah, no, I love the, um, I'm not much a fan for business books, but there's one called the E-Myth. I don't know if you ever read I that one. I haven't, no. It's, it's one of, in my opinion, the few good ones. Uh, it could be summarized in like a couple pages. Sure, but sure, Basically, sure. it's like most people who are, uh, say, like an engineer, uh, want to go out and do their own thing because they're like, oh, man, I won't have to deal with the bullshit of the company life, et cetera, et cetera. And in doing so, they don't really realize that like running your own business is mostly not writing code. It's like right. doing sales and all that stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. and the big takeaway is uh, you need to spend more time working on your business, not in yeah. your business. And that's what you learn when you start managing people, right? Like then you can abstract it and you yeah. can get better at that. Yeah, I think that's honestly what I go through a lot now with YouTube is that a lot of the time I'm spending it on anything is not necessarily on creating content. Uh, it's about, yeah. it's it's on like, essentially management tasks (laughs) Uh, and not like the IC work. And, and I do draw a lot of parallels between like making videos and um, software engineering. Cause to me, it all like scratches the same itch um, of just like making something like bringing something into existence. My, you know, Adobe Premiere setup feels a lot like my Vim setup where I've got like JK, you know, L or whatever (laughs) to like move things around. Um, And, and yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Okay. And so what what was the moment? Was it just like, oh, okay, I can monetize my channel to a certain amount. I can make the jump. Or was there a, a particular moment that made you want to fully break from Patreon? So uh, I, I've mentioned before that I'm like a very risk-averse person. So it took me a while to think of doing YouTube stuff full-time yeah. at, as a clean break. I think I had a bunch of... Um, contingency plans in in my head of like, well, maybe I'll work part time or maybe I'll do this or maybe I'll do that. And it took a while um, to say, no, I I need to, um, I need to do do this clean break thing because otherwise I'm never going to grow and I'm going, it's possible that I don't even invest as much as I can in this creative endeavor because I am afraid I'm trying to like hold on to two things. Um, there wasn't necessarily a threshold that I necessarily monetarily? hit monetarily. Yeah, there, it was more that I had spent about a year at that point juggling both. <laughs> uh, where, in 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 some ways, I, I'm amazed that I was able to do uh, like my regular job and also YouTube because I would like wake up at 6am and like write or like work on a video. And then like the benefit of the tech industry is that like you could go into work at like 10 or, uh, or even 11 and it's not like weird. Yeah. And so I would try to use that to my advantage. So I would wake up like hyper early and then like kind of work Work two jobs. Yeah. Work two (laughs) jobs essentially. And, and I can't do that now. Um, maybe, which is maybe a good thing. Like in my, in my head, you can do it now. So, so even though it's my even even though it's my only job now doing YouTube stuff, I can't like harness that uh, energy. You and mean you got soft? Uh, maybe it's like <laughs> different. Kidding. It's different. You're probably just much healthier. It, yeah, I think it's just uh, I think it's just healthier because like the point uh, that I'm I was getting at with that is that I hit like a breaking point where I was like, this yeah. is no longer sustainable because right. it's like I don't like see my friends or anything like that. Uh, I'm like just this working machine. So because uh, the uh, the other part of that was I was also working weekends. Yeah. Um, 
And while still just trying to figure out, like a lot of my YouTube stuff is like trying to figure things out, like with like what I want to even make rather than making, making stuff sometimes. So, uh, I would just spend a lot of time researching stuff or like in empty word documents that it's just like never feeling satisfied with like your output is like a really dangerous. <laughs> Interesting. So w- was there any one particular moment where you're just like underwater on everything and it just broke or how did um, it go? Hmm. Yeah, I think there was this time um, towards the end of last year where uh, when I started managing, I what I kind of made an agreement with myself not to do any IC work, and because um, I thought that was going to help me like transition better, and I was just like doing a lot more coaching and stuff. Because the benefit of switching into management at a company that I'd already been in IC at is I had a lot of context on stuff, so. Uh, I was able to to use that to like not actually have to write the code myself. Yeah. And then there was a period towards the end of the year where we we had switched into doing work that required a lot of like backend expertise and our team like loadout didn't have people who were like had that background at the company. Like a lot of people who were willing to learn, which is yeah. which is amazing, but like the I what we needed was like a backend tech lead um and that was like a role that I've held before, but we, we can just like grab that person. Like it all takes time. So I also started doing IC work again. And when I was like doing IC work and management work and making videos, I was like, I can't keep doing this. Yeah, this is like, crack. this is the worst. And so then, um, <laughs> so what also happened so sort of at the same time was that like YouTube started like blowing up. Yeah. Um, and my YouTube had gone from a thing that like I could just like take a month off if I really needed to, to something where like I had like, 300 or 400,000 subscribers, not overnight, but like over a month, basically. Which is insane growth. Yeah. 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 And it's like, I, yeah, well, we can talk about that. But, um, and I was like, well, there's like an opportunity here. Like, what happens if I'm actually able to like put more into this? Yeah. Because at a certain point, I could, I was only making a video every like two weeks or a month, if that. And, and it was like things were still happening. So I like really wanted to, yep. I didn't want the ship to sail without me capitalizing on it a little bit. And I, I still like, I don't, I'm not really a regrets person, but I'm like, oh yeah, I definitely felt like I left a lot on the table, like in that time because I huh. couldn't capitalize on the the moment because I, I think that the moment has passed and now I'm like waiting for the next uh, moment in terms of growth. Cause I think that ha- YouTube growth happens in, in like waves um well i mean based on my like limited experience it's like you get caught in the algorithm mm-hmm. on for whatever particular reason and it just goes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh but then other times it's really slow yeah just plodding along yeah 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 yeah. no that that's like uh that's a thing for sure uh it's something that i've observed happening to a bunch of other channels where it almost feels like a storm uh in terms of if you look at the analytics it's like oh you're suddenly gaining thousands of subscribers a day yeah um and and then that, that, that's not happening for like, whereas like normally maybe you're getting 500 or a thousand subscribers a day or 200 or something like that. And, um, yeah, that, that storm passes, uh, eventually. Right. Um, and, and while it's there, I, I do think that there's like, there's like ways to, to capitalize on it. Um, and I, I was like, Okay, I don't know how how long this moment's gonna last, but um, 
maybe, you know, maybe this is something I could do for more of my time. So I started, I started thinking about, I started thinking about it, like having conversations. Hmm. One, um, you know, one conversation I had was with like uh, Jack Conti, the CEO of Patreon. He was always been like super supportive of me. Uh, and so I have like an immense gratitude to him because I just remember having like 2000 YouTube subscribers and like having a one-on-one with him just like about YouTube where I was just like, I don't know. Like, Were they all clued in? Everyone at your work? Well, I think people were aware. Uh, Me and another coworker had started our channels at the same time and hers blew up kind of immediately. So I think everyone was kind of aware that a couple of us were doing um, YouTube stuff. And I remember, yeah, going to Jack and, and, uh, being like, I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm making these like bangers. Uh, and, and like, they're just like, I, it's just not happening. Um, and we like made this, you know, he went through this exercise of, um, you know, it's the beginning of the next year. Um, you know, and what is the press release? Like last year was your like perfect year. What is the, the press release for what happened? And it's yeah. like, well, I made these videos. I, whatever. It's like, how many subscribers do you have? What, what is your relationship with your fans? And going through that exercise was like, may, just may put me at ease about like whether or not I was on like the right track. And, and, um, and I had a conversation. And, and so like, that was just like, I was just continuing to chat along and I had a, uh, I, I called Jack and, and told him that I was like thinking about potentially doing YouTube more, like more full time. And he was kind of like, you know, as a creator, um, you've got to, you've got to do this. Or it was more like as a CEO, uh, I don't want you to leave, but as a creator, you, you need to do this. You're going to kick yourself if you like don't seize this opportunity. Um, and you know, but maybe there's something we could, we could work out in the middle. And so we like worked on that for a bit and it was like several, several months before I, like I eventually, I was initially planning to do something more part-time, but I eventually decided to, um, to, to make the clean break. But I tried to have the, the, the most seamless like transition out where I like stayed on for like, I put it essentially, I put in my like three months notice (laughs) rather than like my like two weeks or whatever. Um, to like wrap up projects and finish, finish things up. Um, and then a- after having those conversations, it like just became more and more real. I knew, I knew that I had saved enough money to, um, give it a period of time. Like if I wanted to spend a year without having to You're worry good. about making money from YouTube, I would be able to do that. Um, cause I like saved pretty aggressively after I paid off my student loans for, for something. I don't know what for. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's like for the cap, like personal capital, like investing in yourself. Um, and so I'm, I'm like, yeah, from, from that, it just became like, oh, okay, this is more and more feasible to take the leap and who knows how long it'll last. Right. I mean, it's, it's tricky cause obviously YouTube's fickle. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think that the relationship between, uh, creators and entrepreneurs is very similar. Yeah. Right? yeah you yeah, just yeah. feel like, oh shit, like now is the time to build this channel. Like I'm having like the early drips of users come in. Like right, right, I have right. to jump on this right now. Well, there's like a clear market opportunity here. Uh, it's, I don't try, I, unfortunately my brain does like think about things in those terms often. So I have to pull myself back into yeah. just like making stuff that I, you know, want to, want to. So this is, this is the next thing I wanted to talk about. So you, you mentioned it already, like the relationship with fans. And it's something that I'm always curious about with the, with our channel that I yeah, need yeah. to do a better job of like talking to the users basically. Right, right. right. Um, but then on the other hand, you're like, I'm, you know, I kind of want to make the stuff I want to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so how do you balance that? Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's definitely not easy. I, 
And I take a lot from the fact that I just witnessed a lot of user um, interviews and creator interviews when I was at Patreon hmm. um, and thinking about how, you know, random users relate to, to, to a product. Um, a lot of people, just humans in general, don't know what they want. So, sure. uh, and that's like dismissive, but I want to like bring that back with like, we don't know what we want, but at the same time, what we are saying we want does mean something. Uh-huh. It does like indicate yeah. some, you know, maybe it's a, a, a problem. Like in, in the user experience world, you're trying to like get at the underlying problem that someone's having so you can address that. And that's kind of how I try to take the criticism when I'm thinking about it. Um, I like YouTube comments hurt my feelings sometimes, but, uh, same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie about yeah. that. Um, so I'm not, I'm not perfect at this, but in terms of how I let it inform, inform the content, I do a lot of like reach outs and asking people what they want to see, but I don't take it as like requests or Fans I, I don't, or who, do, who do you reach out to? Uh, I'll like, I'll like do a poll on like the YouTube community tab or I'll ask, yeah, okay. I'll tweet something or I'll, I'll post something on the Instagram question and answer thing, which it, it should, I wish it was easier to export the answers from that. But, <laughs> um, and I, I use that as like a sense of, you know, taking the pulse on things, but mm-hmm. you also have to qualify that with like, or couch it in, you know, this is the 5% of my audience that actually follows me on social media, or this is the percentage of people who will actually say something. And so you've got to use that. As, as like one data point, but then you're also looking at your actual metrics. Um, when and and then you are, are, are you know what where you want to take things because yeah. no one would. It, it's kind of like in in the tech world. There's like, or I guess in product world, there's this thought that you like can't iterate yourself to a product vision. Yeah, I've heard this before. It's like yeah. all these people are just like A/B testing and reaching some like local maximum. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. how I like. This is the one place I think where yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. that's exactly how I think about it. Where I'm like, uh, it's you can find those those local those local extreme uh, extremities, but not know that there's like this you know, um, right. That's not absolute a home run. maximum. Yeah. And so you've got to be, you still got to have your vision. Um, and yeah. And so like, that's, that's, a, that's a real thing. So it's like, there's no amount of listening. I, I listening to people is extremely important, but I also don't know if like, e, there's no amount of listening to people that ultimately like makes you successful. It's just like a piece. It's like an important piece of the puzzle because you don't want to be out of touch. Like, uh, you have to know how your stuff is being received if you are making stuff for people to enjoy. Yeah. Um, cause I, I, as much as I like the concept of like, I made this thing. I don't care how you feel about it. Usually people are making something to be enjoyed by people or for their message to be received. And you do have to have met, you do have to have some idea of whether or not that's happening. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you can't, you turn into Kanye if you're like, <laughs> you turn into like 2019 Kanye if you like don't really care what people think and you're just like going off your own ego. Um, so it's a, it's a delicate balance, but 
I, I try to I try to look at everything in like a beautiful soup. Yeah. W- was there any point where you realized that like your because you haven't put out that many videos? I put I, out like seventy videos, so yeah. it's not that many. Yeah. Which like for people who don't pay attention to YouTubers, that's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? exactly. And it's um, like yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I mean it's, it's do great work. No, it's no, on, no, but no, it's no, like, no, yeah, no. People it's, put it's out true. a video a day, for example. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like uh well, go ahead with your question. Well, my question was, was there any particular learning where things really started to click for you when it really started to grow? Was it adopting the mentality of going all in? Was it a certain stylistic change? Was it obviously the tech videos did well for you? Yeah, I think the first thing that I figured out worked were tech videos. Um, and so then my cha- <laughs> my channel became... Uh, me doing stuff that I wanted to do. And then when the numbers would start to die down, I would like make a, a tech video. And like what annoys <laughs> me, what bothered me is that like, that's like maybe the most confident I've ever felt in video ideas and like how things will do because I may, I would, I could make a video. I made a video called like why you shouldn't be a software engineer. Yeah. Uh, and I made it in preparation to make a video about me getting braces and talking about the like journey of, of that because I knew that like that would like pop up the, the impressions or whatever. And then that, that video like did so, so well. And it's like something that I spent so little time on. Um, and like that it's, it like taught me a lot about how like the effort that you put in doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean anything for the quality. It doesn't mean anything for how it will be received. Um, and also like, yeah, you just can't judge. I think me as a person, and I think a lot of people have like just, I'll just talk about myself. I have like a completely whacked out like idea of how I value my own, my own work and my yeah. own output. Um, okay. And, and it, it's lessons like that. There's tons of lessons on my channel of like how I'm completely out of touch with, um, with that. But well, I was saying something about the tech, um, video or, or, uh, was there a moment that, I felt like I figured it out. Yeah. Or, um, I, I think no, except for the fact that I knew that tech videos did better than non-tech videos. So I would okay. like throw tech videos in there um, to like sort of tentpole the the other the other content while but I was like continuing to experience. it's a weird strategy. Like yeah. <laughs> you, because now if you look at your videos, like it's there are some tech videos still, mm. but the lion's share of them are not, and like yeah. not that many channels do that, and not yeah. that many companies think like, okay, we're gonna have like this product for this audience, and then this product for yeah, this yeah, audience, yeah, yeah. and like the overlap might not be the same. Yeah, I in my mind there was a there was a thread that connected all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, I still think there is a thread that connects all that stuff, but the, a lot of, a lot of what dictates what does well and what doesn't is like the click through rate on the, the thing. And, and okay. if, if you, if you see a through line between, you know, uh, I made a video called, um, the worst software engineering advice I've ever seen. Um, and it was like my first, foray into the commentary genre because I was really enjoying um, watching those videos on YouTube. And the reason I was, the reason I made that video is because I was like, okay, I know that people like tech videos from this channel and Mm -hmm. I really like commentary videos. So let me like make a tech commentary video that I can then pivot hopefully into just commentary videos. Cause I wanted to get people used to like that format for me so that then I could like remove the tech. Um, but what I, you know, misjudged at the time, this, I don't think ended up mattering a whole, a great deal, but like what I misjudged at the time was that the click through on, even though at the end of that 
software engineering advice video, I talked about this channel called five minute crafts. When I actually made a video about five minute crafts, no one clicked on it. Um, and that's fine, but it, it's a indication of audience expectation and like the story that you're telling to the audience and the value that that audience gets from your channel. So I'm, I found out that there were just a lot of people, the value that they got from my channel was strongly correlated with like me talking about tech because I wanted to get this like information from tech. And so if that value prop wasn't in the, wasn't immediately obvious, then they, they wouldn't click on it. And so like, that was a, that was like the, the takeaway from that moment. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's tricky, man. There are so many weird things that you can do, like yeah. just depending on title and at, at the end of the day, like, you know, you just keep pushing it out. It seems. Yeah. yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I guess the, um, the point of, 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 of all of that and, and of learning all of uh -huh. that was to like develop a, I did have a content strategy of like, um, how am I, I realized that, you know, you can't, you're not really, um, what, what's the phrase? Like you can't choose what you're famous for or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I made some tech videos cause they were getting the most traction, but then it like kind of got away from me. And even though my channel wasn't a tech channel to me, it was like a tech channel to other people. Totally. And, and it's like, I, I've like run the numbers at like no point did my channel have more than 50% tech videos, <laughs> but because in like, cause in my head I was like, oh, that, that yeah. was never the thing. But in, and yeah. now to this day of my 70 videos, like 20 of them uh, are tech videos, but the 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 thing that resonated with the first like bigger audience was that and so that's what it was to them and so when i made stuff outside of that i had to have like stronger hypotheses about the other people that i was reaching and like how people were converting across um across the different styles yeah. of video i mean i think this is like why i mean in many ways because humans are so good at rationalizing things they just say okay fine yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you see it happen with products all the time yeah, and then, yeah like in many ways it's great right provided it's not harming the world in right, a massive right. way uh but i think it's hard when you when you view yourself maybe more in like the artist category sure yeah, yeah. yeah i don't know i think yeah well, i guess you know the big a big moment where i was like oh no this is not what i'm going for uh for me on my channel was it like on one of my videos they were saying like oh great information but i really wish like it didn't have all the the comedy sketches in it or whatever like can <laughs> you just cool, get straight it's, uh, to the information yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and it's like oh no you like you come to the wrong place like i'm actually only talking about that information so that like yeah. someone will watch me like try to be funny um it's and, my main critique of a lot of like tech you know whatever like sub communities where it's all like upvote based there's just like there's not a lot of joy yeah, and i think yeah, it pushes yeah. people out yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I think that um, and tech is something that I'm still like I, I still want to talk about, but I'm I don't have a lot of energy for it in this mo in this current like moment, and I haven't figured out what I want my voice to be there. Yeah, because I what I I eventually made a second channel for tech stuff, and I just haven't really posted on it. But like my first video that I posted did well, so I could tell that like the the audience is like still I thought they were ready. good. I watched this. Yeah. Was, yeah. Like, and then you did the, uh, the AMA, which is funny. Like, oh yeah. And like, uh, I accidentally made that, that live video public. And I, I, oh. I have an edited version of that for an actual post. Um, but then I, I was just like, all right, maybe we'll Whatever. just leave. It. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, I want to get back to that, but I just like, haven't 
I don't have my shit together is essentially the... (laughs) And it's also fair when you're like, hey, listen, I've expressed these certain ideas. Like, I know that many people might want to hear the same thing over and over again, but like, that's not really where I'm going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that I'm sure I I can do like some sort of advice or Q&A type thing, but it's just like not where my attention is right now. And so a lot of what I talk about is like a function of where my attention is. Which is great. Yeah, yeah, Um, So you you did get a bunch of questions, some tech-related from Oh, yeah, and that's totally chill. Um, So one question I really liked was from uh, Nathan Alibach. So you know, do you know who this is? No. He runs the Stakeham's Twitter account. Oh, yeah. That's hilarious. (laughs) I don't don't even, is the Stakeham's Twitter account good? Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's a great example of like the, um, what brand Twitter has turned into. It's kind of like the anti-brand Twitter. Okay, brand so Twitter. it's like the moon pie Twitter. Is exactly. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I, I, we've, I made a couple of videos about brand Twitter and like I met Nathan through that uh, on the internet and like we've kept in touch. Uh, and I, yeah, great guy. That's I, cool. I like that guy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm very much digging that genre. Yeah. So, uh, his question is, are content creators responsible in any capacity for their audiences? Uh, I think there's a really good question. And I think the answer is absolutely. Um, yes, in a, in a big capacity, maybe not 100% responsible. Um, because like if someone who like you get this with PewDiePie, like, uh, he's so big. Yeah. And it's like, if anyone does anything bad in, in his name, it's like, what is his responsibility to that? And I think that he does have, you know, a responsibility, um, because I think that there's a power, Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, he's not solely responsible for these, for these people because they're free thinking individuals. Uh, but when you have that power dynamic, um, and yeah, when you, when you, ha- when you have that power dynamic, there are going to be people who are doing things for you or for your, to get your attention or to benefit from your, your brand or your, your name or whatever. And I think the, best I can do in that situation is to try to call out when things don't seem like right to me. Like if some, if someone, if someone like says something mean in my name or yeah. something, I, I feel a responsibility to call that out and, and to try to like look within myself as to like why a person who acted that way, uh, is en- enjoys my, okay. my content. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then, and then make, you know, whatever changes are necessary. I've been lucky enough that like I haven't run into this, but um I think you see it a lot with these like big influencers. The the one that comes to mind always is like Rogan. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, he's yeah. just like at this point, uh, or PewDiePie, right? Like they're making something and because of their actions, like maybe their action in a certain interview was like not preparing a lot. Yeah. And yeah. so therefore you're like somewhat responsible for misinforming millions of people. Right, right. Oh yeah. I I mean uh I think that I think that creators should be on the whole, like we should all feel a great sense of responsibility. That's really what I'm trying to get at. Like, I don't want to call out anyone in particular, but I I just think that like when you have a platform and you have influence over people, it's not fair that you get all the benefits of that without any of the the consequences. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so, you know, when if with influencer marketing, I I think a thing I have a problem with is when people are, um, are, selling products that could be actively harmful to, to their, um, to their audiences to, to like make a quick buck. That's like, you know, I, I get some brand offers now where I get stressed out over like trying to look into like whether or not the company is like something that I could, I could support. 
Um, and I think that that's right. <laughs> I think yeah. that we should feel like a little more pain there and not just like, oh yeah, sign the check, like pay me uh, a bunch of money. Well, I mean, like even more abstractly, you know, you're kind of in the business of consuming people's attention. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's like, it's a little complicated there. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like um, there is a trust that is built between the audience and the creator. Like I want people to know that I am thinking about like what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, what I'm promoting, yeah. um, the type of behavior, like from in terms of products or behaviors that, that I'm promoting, what I'm calling out. Like I think that like a lot of time, like what I choose to talk about specifically is the result of a lot of thought and like how is this going to be perceived? Am I punching down? Is this like, you know, I, I think it's a thing that, yeah, we should all be, when we're using, when we're, when we're responsible for people's attention, we should, uh, you know, not take that lightly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it can be deceptive because you see your thumbnails and you're like, ah, oh, this is just some like YouTube stuff, but yeah, it's yeah, a little yeah, more yeah. thoughtful than that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, totally. And that's like kind of the, the game that, that you play. Um, yeah, we haven't gone down that path yet. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's tricky. I mean, for me, the most is that, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've made videos that are called like, this is the worst channel on YouTube where that's like hyperbole for sure. But at the same time, like if you come in for that and then you stick around and then you see like the actual statement that yeah. I'm trying to make, then it's like, I don't feel too bad about that. <laughs> that's, that's fine. You're, you're not as like negative as your titles would make you seem. That's actually fascinating to me as well. Uh, I, I, and I've been experimenting with how to, you know, like Mr. Are you familiar with Mr. Beast? No, I don't know. So how. he's a, he's a huge YouTuber, one of the biggest YouTubers right okay. now who's, who's new. Uh, a lot of what he does is like, you know, gives away a bunch of money to like a homeless person or like he like puts 10, 100 million Orbeez in his friend's backyard. Like these giant stunts that involve like a lot of money. Casey Neistat just had him on, um, okay. doing an interview. It's like a, maybe a good intro to him, but, uh, he's given away like, you know, he's got like 18 million subscribers right now. He's like given away like $2 million or something. Dude. And it's, it's fascinating. Um, because one of the things that he says is that, you know, a lot of people think negative, you need negativity for, for clicks, but you can also, uh, do clickbait with positivity. I'm still trying to figure out how to like, <laughs> uh, because I, I think I'm a pretty like optimistic, positive and kind of cheesy person. And I'm tr I tr I'm trying to figure out how to translate that. Yep. Um, but I haven't quite gotten there yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean that cause like it, that angle can also be off-putting because you're like, oh, Jarvis is just like virtue signaling here. Like, yeah, look how good yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. And it's like, it's like, no, no, no. It's like, let's just be like, let's just try to be uh, real here. And um, negativity is just like a, an attention grabber. But a lot of people do, when you frame something like that, do walk away um, with with a negative perception or, or, or the wrong perception. Yeah. And you know what? Going back to the responsibility point, there have been situations where people are like oh we have to do this to like get back at this person and i was like no like that's not how we that's not how we operate here yeah. you know um and i try to like whenever i've seen that happen which hasn't been hasn't been much i i try to say no like we use our words and we use like sort of well thought out criticism as like our you know am ammunition um because i don't want people to go you know harass anybody yeah yeah that's a great point um all right Taylor asks, in what way do you think content creation can benefit one's career in the tech industry? Like, I, I find a lot of similarities between creating content and making software. Yeah, like, totally. it, you're, you're drawing, you've got point A and point B, you want to, like, 
get to this end via via this means and you just swap out the means of like a video or like a, p- a piece of software so exercising that in different mediums is is ultimately going to help you like think about ways to solve problems you'll apply you know something that you learned i apply a lot of what i've learned in software in making videos uh and uh in terms of like how <sighs> I don't know, you navigate your timeline or, or, or I don't know, even other, other stuff. But, um, there's another way of like that it helps, I think, where you are able to build like a personal brand. Um, but that's tricky though, right? Like, that's tricky. I I think the question is, I mean, you can cut it in multiple ways, but like that visibility is both great until it isn't for certain people. Or, or and like, do you even want this content to be related at all to to tech? I think that's another thing to be. Uh, that's yeah, like, no, well, because yeah. I see people asking about it all all the time, and you're like, yeah. well, maybe I don't want to talk about my work related stuff all the yeah. time. And so, like, you know, if your videos were just like people smashing pies in your face, like that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like that's not necessarily beneficial or detrimental. Yeah, but an, a, another way that it could help if you are like if you want to make content that is around tech, then if you're teaching something, obviously like that can you'll understand things better when you have to frame it uh, towards an audience that like doesn't understand the thing. Yeah. Um that was something that I learned from being like a teaching assistant. Where I was like, let's talk about you know depth first search uh, or or whatever. Let's talk, talk about Dijkstra's algorithm, uh, and then like working from you know completely no understanding to understanding, you get a much better understanding of it your yourself of like the ins yeah. and outs. Well, that's like what it, what really drew me into your software videos because I was like, oh, he's trying to help people out and not. Right. I mean, like obviously you are advancing your you know personal brand or whatever, but like. For the most part, it's about like making something that's fun and helping people out. Yeah. And I think like to this question, like, you know, content creation, um, benefiting your career. Like, I think most people would read that and think like, oh, I should write like medium posts like everyone else. Yeah. And that's actually not where the gains come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. Yeah. I don't I never even thought about my tech videos as benefiting my tech career because I wasn't like. I, it really was just coming from a point of like, I want to make some YouTube videos. I want to like cut my teeth in like this, this yeah. process. And also here's some information that I just like have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's uh, stuff I know about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and here, here it is. Here it is to you. And also I think that when I see people struggling with stuff that I, I've struggled with, or I, I think like I've thought of like I've, gone through and realized like it wasn't as big of a deal yeah. as I thought. And then I'm like, Oh my God, let me save you some anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so pro like accessible role models. And that's mm. why I like very much dig these channels. Yeah. 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 Um, that's awesome. All right. So I want to talk about uh, a couple more things. So one thing I want to talk about is your podcast that you started when you were a teenager. Oh yeah. yeah that's a like, thing. I haven't listened to that. Is that still online somewhere? Uh, n- kind of, I've put snippets in videos. Um, I saw those, but yeah. but yeah, other than that, uh, not so much. <laughs> okay. Cause that's like OG podcasting. Yeah. Right? That was like, like 2006, 2007. Um, my co-host of that podcast, we are actually starting a new podcast. Uh, so good. <laughs> and we, our first episode is a, l- a little bit talking about like how, like, like has clips from, from that podcast in it. Um, yeah, I, I got into podcasts from the same thing that I got into 
like software from. And whenever I get into something, I'm like, oh, I want to do that. That's usually what yeah. it is. And so it's like whenever I find something that's like super cool, I'm like, oh, that I like that. that I want to do that. Dude, anything I've ever learned well has been because I want to make the thing. Yeah. Like, anything I've learned poorly has been like because like you need to learn this. Mm-hmm. Never. Yeah. I, I f- I'm finding that so much now where I'm wanting to learn about so many things that I should have learned in high school or whatever about history or yeah. something where I'm like, Oh, I just like, wasn't the right medium or I like wasn't super jazzed. I almost feel like my brain has changed and like how I want to absorb information, but maybe it's just that like the stakes of everything have, have changed and I'm less stressed out about getting the grade and more interested right. in just like learning things. Yes. Learning uh, for fun. Also not having to learn seven things at once, seven yeah. different topics, yeah, yeah, which yeah, just yeah. seems like broken as well. That's yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, but yeah, how old are you now? Like, um, 26, 26, about to yeah. turn 27. Yeah. So 27 year old could crush high school. Yeah. Like no, I'm, 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 let me put me back in coach. Uh, uh, also like you do, uh, you do comedy stuff too. So someone yeah, asked, yeah. um, octopus blues asks what lessons did improv teach you? Uh, and what would you recommend? Uh, would you recommend other people do it? I recommend uh, taking and like one improv class to everybody. Improv taught me a lot about like team dynamics. Um, I you know performed with a team uh, in in San Francisco uh, for about a year, doing like a weekly show or biweekly or whatever, um, and just like the relationships that you build and like the improv is all about not being the star of the show and about like setting up your teammates for slam dunks. And that is a lot. I, I took a lot from that with management mm-hmm. where it's like, how do I make sure that my team is able to like, how do I sort of set them up so that they look uh, really awesome? Um, and there's like a lot of satisfaction in that, like getting somebody a promotion or whatever. Yeah. It feels, feels a lot like, you know, calling back to somebody's joke from like the first beat or whatever and, and, and allowing them <laughs> to like knock it down. Um, and improv helps you a lot with like getting out of your your comfort zone and yeah. feeling feeling accepted, knowing that what you're afraid of typically is not rational, even even though like you you feel it, so it's it's like very real. But when you when you put it out there, you realize that people are accepting. Like improv is a very accepting place where you can just like be like, I don't know if this is gonna land, but I'm just gonna like say it, and people are they don't ridicule you for it. So it's a very safe environment to feel, just feel more comfortable. Um, yeah, there, there's like a lot, I think that, that can be, can be learned from improv. I think it gets thrown under the bus in many ways. It's yeah. like kind of cheese ball. It's great punchline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 But like, no, your point's great. Like just take one. There's no downside to taking one class. Yeah. yeah and there's even places where you can do like a drop in class, like for, you know, a Saturday afternoon in, in games in San Francisco does mm-hmm. that. Um, like 15 bucks three hour class get in get out meet a bunch of new people it's 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 cool um yeah cool <laughs> uh, all right so my last question is uh predictions okay what, what is the predictions of both like youtube creators and then content creation in general in the next handful of years Ooh, interesting so wait prediction of like where the like where is the industry going like what things are gonna get traction mm. obviously you can't know yeah no, like, no 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 uh i think um i think that tiktok is going to produce some people uh some more tradition quote-unquote traditional 
creators. I think there are people who are doing really interesting stuff on that platform, but there's a lot of noise or I feel mean even calling it noise, but there's a lot of, uh, what people make fun of TikTok for also there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I think that that will be the next like thing where people are like, Oh, you know, YouTuber is kind of a, mm, is a word that is used to describe like Logan Paul's of the world yeah. where it, it's like kind of a, has a negative connotation. And I hope that that will um, change in the future. I hope that YouTube becomes a more supportive place for creators of, of all kinds where they're not like constantly fighting against monetization um, and stability. Um, Cause it's a very, as it stands today, um, it can be a very unstable thing for a lot of people and oftentimes not even related to, the algorithmic changes, but more like how the 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 loop between like advertisers and YouTube and stuff yeah. uh, and stuff work. Um, I think I hope that there's just a like traditional media in a lot of ways to me feels like it has a, it is the way it is because of gatekeepers. Like it's kind of whenever there's like an incumbent and then somebody new coming in, there, there's all these like there's all this energy towards keeping the incumbent in, in power. And I, that's what I feel with. That's kind of how I feel about, uh, about YouTube and traditional media. Like it's interesting to me that like Liza Koshy is doing, um, you know, double dare on Nickelodeon. It, Cause it's like Liza Koshy has like the biggest audience and, and could be reaching the most people. But now, no, here's the thing though, uh, from a personal standpoint, like I totally get like wanting to be challenged and wanting to try new things. And like, there's, like, so I, I, like, I'm actually happy for her and like whatever she wants to do in her career. But when people value, when people have like a hierarchy of like, oh, this is just better than this. Yeah. That's like TV was in that situation with movies uh-huh. or, or like TV and movies were in that exact same situation. So this and then always, yeah. And then it flipped. And so yeah. like, this always seems to be, um, happening and like repeating itself. So I hope that there's less of that. Um, and more people jumping, uh, you see like a lot of traditional media people going on YouTube. I hope, I hope to see more of, of that. I know that in a, in a respectful way to the platform, cause I know, I know that people are like, ugh, you know, like Will Smith or whatever, but <laughs> I think that Will Smith is like an interesting YouTube, like entity. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Yeah. I think that I want more people who are like investing in their own sort of thing rather than just straight up television totally uh being the being like dominating on on youtube uh like investing in the platform itself i think is a valuable thing for all all creators i could be wrong about that but um but blur, blurring those lines make making sure that there's still avenues for for up and coming people is something something that i want to see uh want to see something done about uh, people who have an unlimited amount of resources to pump into YouTube. Like that kind of, it seems like you could just buy success on YouTube. If you're a company uh, that wants to just like copy something that like it has some sort of popularity and then you just like take all the soul out of it. Uh, Yes and no. Because then, then you get like the, the problem of finding the right host. And like, yeah. there's something about like you, you talk about your tech videos too, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the through line is you. 
And the same thing right. with like Marquez. Like the yeah, through yeah, line yeah. is him. It's like he yeah, can go yeah, review yeah. like paper clips and people are into it. Right, right. No, that's totally true. I and I think that that is a great like YouTube. Well, I, I think that's a thing across the internet, but like that's a great thing that YouTube does have. But when I look at content farms, is more where I yeah. uh, feel less good about it. Like um, these videos that where like CGP Gray or somebody will make a video. Uh, that's an interesting essay on a topic and then some channel will like remake that video but worse but just to like capitalize on like all of it but they can do that daily or three times a day uh and make a bunch of money off of it because they it's a business where they just like pump in it's an investment almost um so that's like a bummer it just like adds a bunch of noise to youtube that is not gonna it's not something you can actually prevent but I would, uh, yeah, I don't know. I would just like to see less of that uh, is more, yeah. Okay. I would see, I would like to see less things that are obviously content farms, like wildly successful and like dominating like YouTube, <sighs> but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right, man. Thanks for coming in. Uh, thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for listening. So as always, you can find the transcript and the video at blog.ycombinator.com. And if you have a second, it would be awesome to give us a rating and review wherever you find your podcast. See you next time.